0: Well, it's good news that God hears our prayers, right? But not only does God hear our prayers, but God hears and answers my prayers. And so we hopped right in. You've got a blank to fill in if you're filling blanks. And I didn't even say anything else before it today to give you a chance to get anything out. But that's it. God hears and answers my prayers. And that should be cause enough for us to rejoice. It should also possibly cause some questions, Uh, for some people in the room who might not feel that they understand how that works or that they might not ever feel that they've talked to God in such a way that they understand what God might be saying to them or how God might be talking to them. And so it's just really, really clear for us in this part of history that God speaks through his word, that God speaks through other godly people. Now, you gotta be careful with that one, right? Because it always has to be confirmed by God's word, not just man's opinion of God's word. God speaks directly through his Holy Spirit to us And for some people, that might even sound a little scary. What does that look like? How does that work? But again, God gives us his word, and his word will always confirm what he's doing. And we talked about this a little bit last week. We learn to pray according to God's word, and we learn to pray according to God's character, which we learn about in God's word. And then when we learn to do those things, we begin to see that God hears my prayer, and God answers my prayers. Now... Here's the rest of that story. God's answers to our prayers may not always be the things that we want to hear. Can I get an amen? Anybody in here had that experience? All right. You're praying for things. You're wanting to see things happen. And God says, yes, I hear your prayer. And yes, I'm going to answer your prayer. And the answer to your prayer isn't necessarily what you were praying for. And that still is okay. Because God is God and he's working in a direction to bring us life and so that we can find life to the fullest no matter what life might bring our way. No matter the pain we may be going through, no matter the season of life, no matter the joys and the elation of life, God is always at work moving toward his will. He hears and he answers my prayer. He loves to hear from his children. He loves to hear the prayers of his people and he answers those prayers. And that's what we want to look at today as we go to the last part of Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to give you a heads up. There's some, uh, some pretty strong prophetic language here at the end of Daniel chapter 9. And I want to just remind you again, I'm not here to teach us a class in the book of Daniel today that there's multiple different People who see this in a different way or interpret it this way or that way or whatever. If that is the type of stuff that interests you, I would encourage you to dig deep into that stuff. And if you need some help getting pointed in a direction, I'm glad to send you some resources. What I want us to understand and see today is in that context of God hearing and answering prayer and why that's important to us and how that can can speak into our lives where we are today. But I want you to just see it right here off the bat in Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 20. Look at what this says. While I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of the people Israel and presenting my petition before the Lord my God concerning the holy mountain of my God, while I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, reached me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me this explanation. Now look at this. He said, Daniel, I've come now to give you understanding. I'm going to pause there just to help you kind of catch up. Daniel had been seeing these visions, and he was not able to understand these visions, which is different than the first part of Daniel where other people are seeing visions and Daniel would go to the Lord and, and get the answer to these visions and be able to interpret these. Now Daniel's praying and he's, he's seeing these visions and he doesn't understand them. And so God sends his angel to explain these visions. And so he's saying, well, this is the same angel that explained the first vision to me. But he says, this time I've come to give you an understanding. Look at verse 23. If you're an underliner in your Bible, underline this and see what I'm talking about. He says, at the beginning of your petitions an answer went out. I we love that. At the beginning of your petitions, as soon as you started praying, Daniel, the answer went out from God. And I've come to give it, for you are treasured by God. God loves to hear the prayers of his people. God answers our prayers, and we are treasured by God. We see this right here in God's word. So consider the message and understand the vision. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Here's the vision. It might not make a lot of sense to you today. It might make perfect sense to you. You may have studied this, but here's what it says. Seventy weeks are decreed. This actually goes right in line with what the prophet Jeremiah said as well. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to atone ...for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until an anointed one, the ruler, will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be rebuilt with a plaza and a moat, but in difficult times." After those 62 weeks, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the coming ruler will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come with a flood, and until the end there will be war. Desolations are decreed. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and offering, and the abomination of desolation will be on a wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. Amen. Let's pray and go home, right? You got all that. Well, here's the first thing that you need to understand is that when he's talking about seven weeks, the, the better translation, and I don't know why some of the translations put it this way, but the better translation is 77s, not 70 weeks. It's, it's actually the word seven. And, uh, and what they are, they actually refer to years, not to weeks. So that's your first clue of looking at this and going, okay, <laughs> well, why didn't they just say that? I don't know. Okay. We're not going to get into that today. But here's here's what I want you to understand. God is eager to respond to his people when we pray. And so the angel shows up eagerly to give Daniel this answer. And the urgency in which he answers Daniel and the clarity really demonstrates the fact that God loves to hear the prayers of his people. And he loves to answer the prayers of his people. So... We need to remember that we need to be led by God's word when we pray. We need to be grounded in his character when we pray. And I love the picture that we see here. I'm going to explain it a little. But I love the picture that we see here. That Daniel is quite troubled by what he sees. And God is urgent in his reply. So just let that sink in. Daniel is troubled. But God tells him, Daniel, you are treasured. And he is very urgent in his reply to Daniel Because God loves Daniel as well. God's love is shown clearly in the response, in the urgency of the response, in the clarity of the response. All of these things should cause us to know that God wants us to hear him as well. So the other thing about this answer is it's not an immediate fix. It's not an immediate response. Now that's sometimes where I get in trouble. I don't know how you are. But that's sometimes, I really should pray, if I'm praying very honestly sometimes, God, I would love to see this, and I'd love to see this right now. Actually, I'd love to see it yesterday, God. I don't know why it's taking you so long to answer my prayers. Like, anybody else feel that way? But yet Daniel is getting the response to his vision, which isn't going to come true for 490 years. How about that? So God answers Daniel and says, let me tell you all this stuff that's about to take place. And, oh, by the way, you're never going to see it. That's not the type of prayers that I would enjoy having answered in my life. Hey, Lindell, you just keep working and doing what you're doing. And sometime, you know, five centuries from now, what you're doing today and what you're saying today is going to come true. And it's going to actually make a difference then. Can we just pause and let that sink in for a little bit? Have you ever even thought about that? Have you ever even, let, you ever even fathomed That quite possibly some of the decisions and the things that you're doing today, the way that you're following God, the stuff you're setting up for the future could not just impact the next generation but generations to come. So the the seven weeks and the 62 weeks and then a week, but the weeks aren't weeks. They're actually translated as sevens and they represent years and they're pointing to not only the rebuilding of Jerusalem in the first part of it, but also then the destruction of Jerusalem. And then they're also pointing to the coming Messiah for the first time. And then they're also pointing to the coming of the Messiah for the second time. So actually, Daniel's not just seeing a prophecy for just 490 years. He's seeing prophecy from now until the end of time. And that's the answer that God gives Daniel. There's nothing you can really do with that if you're Daniel at that point in time other than go, okay, because what do you do with that? What do you do with things that are going to happen well beyond you? I think, again, if we go back to the overall theme of the book of Daniel, it is the fact that God is sovereign. God is always in control. God is always at work moving toward his will. And when we follow his will and we live in line with, with his will, we find life at its fullest. And, and, and we, we receive the blessing that God can give us and only God can give us when we line up with him. And so Daniel's seeing all of these things, but here's something that's pretty interesting for us is that we live on this side of history, well past 500 years where Daniel was receiving this prophecy and Though there are many different people who interpret it maybe some different ways, there's one thing that is always true is they go, what Daniel said came true. How it came true and where and the details of it. Sometimes there's some argument points. But, but here's the amazing thing. I can sit here today and I can tell you that the words of Daniel have come true up to the, up to the point. Up to the point where he's, not, he's, not talking, he's talking about the end of time. Those haven't come true yet. But the seven weeks and the 62 weeks and the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the destruction of Jerusalem and the coming of the anointing one and the sacrifice made for sin and all these things that happen, all true. Not only all true, all exactly on this timeline. Every one of them. Now just stop and let that sink in. God's word is true. And I can know that God's word is true. I can know that God's word is true and I don't have to trust it just based on I believe that God is big and I believe that God is love. I can know that God's word is true because I can look at these words right here that he said something was going to happen in 500 years and we can fast forward 500 years and go, oh my goodness, all these things happened. Not only can we see that, the situation that Daniel himself is in was talked about well back in the time where, they were, where the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, they had the exodus out of Egypt, and Moses was leading them, and he told them, if you follow God, this is going to happen. If you turn away from God, this is going to happen. They turned away from God, this happened. Word for word, I can go over and over and over and over again, and though, hear me on this, Though I know sometimes we look at God's word and we go, I don't understand what they're talking about. I don't, why did they say it that way or where it is? But when you begin to understand it and you read it and you start connecting the dots and, and you begin to understand that it's not written in chronological order, that may be your first clue. Is that if you start in Genesis and start working to the end of the book, it's like, didn't we already talk about that? Or why are they? It's not always written that way. So the books are put together in a different way than that. But when you begin to, to see how they fit together and where it is, you go, oh, my goodness. Every time that God has said something was going to happen, it happened. And I can know that God's word is true, which is why when we pray, our prayers need to be based on the word of God. Because God speaks to us to give us hope and to give us life and to give us direction and to give us peace. And when we learn to live our life based on his word, we are basing our life on truth. We're not basing it on opinion. We're not basing it on circumstance. We're basing it on the everlasting word of the creator God of the universe. The psalmist puts it this way. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is trustworthy. I don't think I could sum that up any better. The word of the Lord is right, and all his work is trustworthy. And the time that we spend in life trying to figure out that God's word is right is time that could be spent just going, I know God's word is right, so I just need to live by it. And I wish that I could help people come to that conclusion quickly, but you know what? The journey to get there has benefit as well. And if you're on a journey going, I don't know that I can completely trust God or I don't know why, you know, why he used to say this and now this, this, and I don't know necessarily how to fit God's word together. All I would tell you is you keep asking those questions and you keep digging and you keep looking and you keep putting yourself in there because I guarantee what you'll begin to find is that God's word is true. And you can begin to discover that God's word is true every bit of it. And it gives us an opportunity to find life that goes beyond anything else. And that's why when this points to the coming of the Messiah, we realize that I not only can know that God's word is true, but I can find life through Jesus. I can find life through Jesus. When he's talking about this, look at what he's saying. The 70 weeks, the 77s are decreed, but there's a purpose behind them. It's about your people and your holy city. It's gonna bring rebellion to an end. It's going to put a stop to sin. It's going to atone for iniquity. It's going to bring in an everlasting righteousness and it's going to seal up vision and prophecy. And I think all of those are pretty self-explanatory until you might get to that last one. Seal up vision and prophecy. What does that mean? That means you remember that vision where God came and he sat down as the ancient of days and the books were open and court was adjourned? Well, when he seals up vision and prophecy, he's going to go Done. And that day is coming when God says, it's done. All the work that needed to be done has now been done And so now we get to experience, for those of us who believe and give our life to him and follow him, we get to experience eternity with God. That's what this whole thing is about. All the work that he was doing through the people of Israel, all the work done through the Messiah, all has the same purpose, to bring God's people out of exile and back to him. And we live at the side of history where we know the work of Jesus Christ. And the author of Hebrews puts it this way. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself, and just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment. So also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him I can know that God's word is true and if God's word tells me that Jesus is coming a second time to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him then it's true I can know that God's word is true, and if God's word is telling me that it's appointed for us as people to die once, and then after that there is judgment, then I better be preparing somehow for that judgment. But then it also tells us this wonderful story that Jesus Christ laid down his life as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, bearing the judgment himself So that we might be set free, brought out of exile of sin and back into relationship with God. And this is the promise that Daniel sees in this. This day is coming where the rebellion will end, where the sin will end, where the atonement will will come. All of these things are coming. Daniel, hang in there because we're working toward a purpose. And I know you can't see it. And as a matter of fact, Daniel, you won't even see it in your lifetime But you need to trust that I'm at work moving and doing something. And now we can fast forward this and we can see that God's word is true. And we can understand even better than Daniel the significance of the person of Jesus Christ. Because we have had the opportunity to see his life. And to read about his miracles and to understand. And and not just read about them in this book, but to see people who are around us every day who are following Christ and the change and the things that are happening in him that go, something is different in this person, and they have found life in Jesus. And that also affirms that God's word is true. And so in the midst of all this, we realize that the angel so urgently is coming to Daniel because the love that God has for him because he wants to answer the prayer. He wants Daniel to know that God is there with him even though this is a difficult thing to see and a difficult thing to understand that God is guiding through this. And he says, Daniel, just hang in there because all of this has a reason and it has a purpose. And so there's one thing that I can take away from this as well is that I can have hope for a future. I can have hope for a future. Can we have an honest moment? We've all run into moments in life where we look at it and go, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This might be the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I guarantee you've said that. You've probably said it more than once. I can't imagine anything worse happening in my life. You know, I used to be a person who prepared kind of worst-case scenario type person. Until God actually brought me through one of those worst case scenarios and brought me through the other side, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to prepare for worst case scenarios anymore because you spend all your time thinking about these worst case scenarios. And what I need to just learn to live with is the fact that no matter what I face in life, no matter what might be in front of me, no matter the difficulty of it, no matter the struggle of it, no matter the challenge of it, is that I can have hope for a future when I give my life to Christ. Because there's a God who has authored all of time and is in control of it, has never lost control of it, has always been in control of it, is always moving for a purpose, is bigger than my life, and yet invites me into a relationship with him. And I can have hope for a future, not based on me getting better, but based on me letting God just get bigger and bigger in my own life. That's where my future is can get the best. The prophet Jeremiah is talking about the same type of stuff that Daniel's and This is what he says. For this is what the Lord says. When the 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you, and I will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. And See if you've been familiar with this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, this is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for your disaster. To give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I banished you. This Is the Lord's declaration? I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. He's talking to Jeremiah about something before he was talking to Daniel about something who did the same thing, but the message is clear. All of this that you're walking through has a purpose. And the purpose is to be restored to God, to give you a hope and to give you a future, to trust that God is who he says he is and that you can find life in him and that it is worth seeking after him with every bit of energy that you have because you will find him when you seek after him with all of your heart. And can I just talk about that for a second and meddle in your life? A half-hearted pursuit of God will produce nothing. God has already given us all of himself, and I think we'll accept nothing back from, from us except for all of us. You're either all in or you're not in at all. That's just the truth of it. And there's no, what our culture likes to believe is that I can be a good person And if I just add a little God into my life or I add a little religion, then then that could give me some direction. But really, that's a self-serving life that we're asking God to come along and support. But the picture that Scripture paints for us over and over and over is, is, is very clear that God laid down his life so that we can have it. And when we lay down our life, that's when we get it. And so maybe... Can I just say it this way? Maybe you've been a church attender all of your life, but but are you a Christ follower? And I'm not here making trying to make people doubt their salvation. That's not that's not it at all. I, I'm trying to ask the question of what does your pursuit of the Lord look like? Is it is it if I really lay it down and get honest with God? Is it truly focused on everything that He is, or? We all have a tendency, right, to be a little self-centered at times. And so what does it look like for me to fully, fully pursue God and find the future that he has for me and not the one even that I've dreamed up for myself? Even if the one that I've dreamed up for myself, I believe, is not only good for me but good for everybody else around me. What if God has something different for us? Are we willing to follow that? If God can give Daniel the vision for things that aren't going to happen for 490 years, what does that say about how he can handle my life and my family and my friends? Wouldn't that be the God you want to follow, the one that you can look and go, oh, my goodness. He said it to Moses, and then it happened to to Daniel, and he said it to Jeremiah, and and then this is happening with Daniel, and then Daniel said it, and this happened, and oh, God's word is true God's in control God is sovereign and even though not everything in their life was happy and good all the time God's moving that toward a purpose and they found life in Christ that's the life that I want to pursue and in the midst of that even though we can look around and we can see the imperfections of this broken world here's what we need to understand God is at work to make things right God's at work to make things right. Can I just tell you a story that might not make any sense to you? I'm not good at plumbing. I discovered this one time when um, an ice storm hit, and we were trying to remodel this thing at, at the place I was working. And we wanted to convert a bathroom into like a sound studio where people could record. And, and we were fearful of putting a really expensive microphone in this old shower. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. And we were thinking, well, what if somebody just, you know, is silly one day and turns the water on and then, it, you know, breaks the microphone. So I thought, okay, well, we need to make it where this can't happen. And so I had no idea how plumbing works, and I'm like, well, let's just take the handle off the shower. Not realizing that that handle is holding back all of the water and all of the pressure in that shower. So I'm standing, it's 20 degrees outside. Everything's iced over. I take a handle off a shower and immediately start getting hit with all the pressure of the shower. You ever tried to put a handle back on with the water? It doesn't work. And, and, and so I go through all this, and I'm digging outside, and I'm, I'm trying to find, at the most convenient time, right, you're trying to find the water shutoff, and it's 20 degrees outside, and I'm digging around, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm trying to make this work, and, and we had actually parked a car on the shutoff. I could tell story after story about how long it took for us to figure out how to turn that off, and then we, I didn't know how to fix it, and then we had made a mess, and then I had to clean up this mess, and I, so here's where I'm going with this. I call a plumber now because I've tried it myself. And when I look at things now and I go, I don't necessarily know how that's going to work. What I have a tendency to do at this point in my life is look for someone that does. I no longer feel the pressure or the need to try to prove anything to anybody that I try to know things that I don't. God's at work to make things right. And he's working at it in a way that sometimes when I look at it, I go, I don't know how that's going to work, but he does. And so I just trust him. And this is what he tells us, Revelation 22. Look, I'm coming soon. And my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning Of the end and the end. God is at work. He invites us to join us in His work. He says He's coming again and will repay each one of us for the work that we have done with Him and for Him and through Him. And so God's at work and you're invited to join Him. And when you join Him in His work, you'll find the most incredible things that you've ever experienced in this life if you're willing to take that step and quit trying to live life that goes, I got it, I got it, I can figure this out, I can do this myself. Because every time I do that, I just make a big mess. But when I've learned to trust that God knows more than I do and just follow him, then life's at its fullest. Would you pray with me?